0: What's going on, guys? This is Dave Heilman, aka Dynasty Dorks, and this is the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're presented to you by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, and Virginia. Don't forget about Tennessee. From boots to same game parlays to live game, live in game odds, WinBet has exactly what you need to win sign up today, you bet $100, you're going to get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, backslash winbet, at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, backslash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN NFL Playoff Challenge. $500 in in cash and prizes up for grabs exclusively on the SGPN app. What's going on? It's playoff time. If you're doing fantasy football playoffs, make sure you check out one of our sponsors, Underdog. They got a lot of fun stuff going on. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Derek Carr. And so Derek Carr put out a goodbye letter to Raider Nation today. I got two Chargers fans on the on the show. And uh, Brad, you're you're a Derek Carr fan. So Let's let's talk about this for a little bit. And before we get into that, I do want to introduce the guys. My co host, make sure you follow him at FF Bourbon Dude. Brad, how we doing tonight?
1: Oh, I'm living the dream and in, in the humble abode of my, my parents. Uh in a it's almost more of a fitting bourbon room than mine is when we normally podcast, but Uh, they're upstairs watching some judge Judy right now. I just laughed at him and said, I'm gonna go talk some football. So,
0: (laughs) well, Papa bourbon dude is, is living it up over there. Uh, JF Hornet, definitely one of my, my guys, dynasty dorks family. How are we doing, sir?
2: Good, my friend. Ready to talk some football. Enjoy. Thanks for the invite.
0: First time on the show, John, definitely one of my favorite follows, funny guy on TikTok. I saw the squeaky wheel the other day, John. How are we doing, sir?
3: I'm doing well. I appreciate the invite, and and I'm thrilled to have a, a friendly company uh, with, with Mr. Hornet there, so got, glad to have another Charger uh, fan on the show. And where can we find your work? Uh, my DFS content can be found on Fantasy Pros, and my Dynasty content on DynastyLeagueFootball.com, or as we call it in the business, DLF, so I'm getting geared up for all all kinds of new content on the prospects coming in and and some other movers and shakers uh, from a dynasty perspective. So all that, that will be coming live soon.
0: And so uh, again, back to Derek Carr, I wanted to, I put an article out today. Make sure you check it out. Sportslandpodcast.com. Put out my favorite landing spots as well as what the current odds are. The current odds currently have the jets as the top place. They have Indianapolis, Tennessee, as some of the higher locations, Brad, if you had to pick one spot, where do you think he would go?
1: Yeah, where I think he would want to go, because he's got that no no trade clause, is going to be somewhere that he believes could be a contender. There are two of those teams, I think, that are looking for a quarterback that may be willing to go the veteran route. And that's going to be either the Washington Commanders or my personal favorite and the New York Gang Green Jets. I think him with Garrett Wilson, and him with Tyler Conklin with the running game of Brees Hall and the way that Robert Sala uh, and LaFleur are running that offense would really be fitting for Derek Carr. They wouldn't rely on him the way that kind of uh, Las Vegas may have. So I think it's a better situation for him and a better coaching staff to end up in uh, a green and white jersey
0: next season. Justin, what do you got?
2: I think the Carolina Panthers might make a splash. David Tepper is already told everyone that he wants to spend plenty of money and he's got plenty of money. And so I think he's really going to try to turn that organization around. They're going to get a new coach in this year. I don't know that they'll keep the interim that they had. And that's a roster that's already put together for if you get someone like Derek Carr in, you could probably turn it around really quickly. Um, Picking in the first round at ninth pick is not going to give them anybody in that top three range, the Strouds or the, uh, Bryce Young's so I think moving that pick for Derek Carr could be pretty solid
0: yeah and the compensation is going to be interesting Um we saw Russell Wilson moved to a couple you know it took a, a lot of draft picks and some players you saw uh, Matthew Stafford move that was two first round picks and Jared Goff and we saw Carson Wentz moved a couple years ago back when he was in Philadelphia he was moved for it was two second round picks one of them uh, was a uh, it was a uh Pick that could be conditional. Pick that could turn into a first round pick, and so it did turn into a first round pick based on his playing time. I think that's probably more of the realistic. Maybe two, you know, two seconds. One of them being a conditional one. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if 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 you get Derek Carr for the ninth pick, um, you are gonna have to pay him, and and uh, if if the Raiders do not move him before the third day of the after the Super Bowl, they're gonna be on the hook for his thirty two and a half million dollars in two thousand twenty three plus seven and a half million dollars in 2024 becomes guaranteed on the third day. It's February 15th. So, John, who do you got?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of following consensus on this. I really think that the Jets are in a position uh, on both sides of the football to to make a run. It feels like they're a quarterback away. And if you get a veteran presence, you're not trying to groom a rookie while wasting you know, some of these guys years in the league, you got a defense that's primed and ready to go. I think that makes the most sense. And I think he, if he moves from the Raiders, I think he wants to be a contender immediately. And I think the jets are a good place for that to happen.
0: Yeah. And I talked to Justin earlier. Uh, the reason I think he goes to the NFC is to get rid of, get away from all these good quarterbacks. You got Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, you got Joe Burrow. You had a lot of, you know, Trevor Lawrence is up and coming. He's got, Justin pointed out Calvin Ridley coming next year, um, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it is a, a, it's hard to be a contender in the AFC. It's pretty easy to be a contender in the NFC South. Um, if you can get 500, you might win the league. And so the Saints are an option. Carolina is an option. Um, Tampa Bay is an option. If Brady leaves, maybe they trade places. Um, but I, I think the Atlanta Falcons would be very interesting. They have the third most cap next year. And so they have plenty of money to spend. They almost went and traded for Deshaun Watson last year. Kyle Pitts is on the team. You have, you know, you have Drake London there. They obviously have to put together the offensive line, but I think this team is is going in the right direction. Um, I would I would like someone better than Arthur Smith there, but um, I do like the the weapons there, and he plays in a dome, and it plays against some really bad defenses in uh, the and the NFC South in versus some of the other places where he has to play outside against some tough competition. So let's get into some awards. We're going to we have four categories per position. And the first category four quarterbacks. We're going to start off with the uh, negatives. We're going to go with the biggest bust. And we have some nominations that the guys in the bottom of my screen may not like. Justin Herbert. Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr. Ralph, he could not be here tonight. We had uh, the internet guy came in, set up the new internet, the new house, and did a bad job. So RIP, Ralph, but we'll see you you next time. And then Justin Herbert again. That makes Justin Herbert the winner, and that's not a good thing you want to win. John, why did you nominate Justin Herbert? Uh, You know... I play a lot of super flex. I took a lot of Justin Herbert for uh,
3: reasons, you know, unrelated to my homerism. And I felt the pain that everybody else that drafted him high had to feel. There was one league in particular where I had the third pick in in the first round and I took him right there in a super flex. I went right after him. I'm like, I get to be a homer and watch my guy. And after week one, I'm like, yes. And then week two. After the rib injury in week two, he fell outside the top 15 in weekly scoring seven times this season, seven times. And he finished with a career low, 147 rushing yards. He didn't score a rushing touchdown. First time in his career, he hasn't done that. He did not live up to the the top five positional ranking, which really hurts to say as a Chargers fan, but truth is truth.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, you were the first one to nominate him, and uh, and I think Justin might have also put his name. Yeah, you guys both, you guys are the both people that voted for Justin. So um, there was a little personal. (laughs) It might have been a little personal on that, but no, I I cannot disagree. Justin Herbert was someone that you know in your redraft leagues, even your one quarterback leagues, you had to pay up a little bit to get Justin Herbert. You weren't getting him in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. You were giving up very good draft capital for a guy that just did not perform. So let's go from the bus to the values. Here's the guys that nobody wanted anything to do with in August. And that's Daniel Jones, Gino Smith, Jared Goff, Gino Smith, again, Kirk cousins. And the winner is Gino Smith. John, why does Gino Smith win the best value?
3: Yeah, he, he came out and nobody had any expectations. We were all waiting, like, how how long is it going to be before we see uh, the, the – um oh, I forgot his name. Uh, yeah, Drew Locke. Drew Locke, thank you. Before we see the Drew Locke experiment in Seattle, and it just – he came out week one and played solid. And he's always been a solid fill-in, but that's that's it. And we saw a lot of consistency. He Did he finish the, the, the season leading the league in completion percentage? He did. Uh, Yeah. I thought, I know he led that for, for most of the season. So that from career back up to that has been, yeah. I mean, he, he could have been plucked off the waiver wire. He wasn't high on draft boards and and he finished in a very respectable spot when no one had any expectations for it.
0: I'm still waiting for the apology from the U S open to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Just putting that out there. U S open. You, you need to give the Seahawks an apology. Um, and Gino would have said that in his acceptance speech of this award, um, (laughs) waiver wire winner. We got Brock, Mrs. Purdy, Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy again, Gino Smith, Gino Smith. So this is a shared award between Gino Smith and Brock Purdy. I'm just going to finish up talking about Gino Smith and I'm going to pivot to Brad for Brock Purdy. With Geno Smith, he was drafted as QB 30, 260 as far as ADP in your one-quarterback leagues, and he finished as the QB 5. And he did this on the back of very consistent performances. He was a top-20 quarterback, 17 out of the 18 weeks, and that includes the, the week 18 where I know we shouldn't be in championships, but this was a weird year, and some people really needed some points that week. Um He was top seven six times. We didn't think that Geno had that kind of a ceiling. We didn't really think this offense was going to have that kind of a ceiling. And other players really benefited from the fact that Geno Smith played well. So you got values from DK Metcalf. You got values from the running backs, Rashad Penny and Ken Walker. You got values from Tyler Lockett that you did not expect to get in return. So not only Geno Smith you know, win this award from his own performances, but he lifted people up. Brad, let's talk about Brock Purdy, Mrs., um, G- John Harbaugh Jr. Yeah.
1: So, so the first thing is all about consistency, right? So this guy come in as Mr. Relevant, the third string quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers and comes in, and Dave, you and I have talked about it, 202. 202. Just, just locking in. 200 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, you know what? Week eighteen, he didn't get 200 yards. Oh, but he threw three touchdowns instead of two touchdowns. Like the dude is just lock step. And the biggest reason that I think, not only on top of that, that he is the waiver wire darling of the year for the quarterback position, is you really didn't see any devaluation of any of the other offensive players on the team. So typically, when you see that backup or that third string, you see all those other offensive players fall off the map, right? Christian McCaffrey, oh, my God, what are we going to worry about him? Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, who ended up being hurt, can't really count him. George Kittle, oh, my God, all these guys, down, down, down. George Kittle goes on a touchdown streak, what, five weeks in a row he scored a touchdown? right? Christian McCaffrey continues to crush it. Elijah Mitchell comes in this past week and scores two rushing touchdowns. It just, the whole offense is clicking. Whether you want to blame that on Brock Purdy or whether you want to blame that on Kyle Shanahan, it doesn't matter. The simple fact is you, you, if you were able to get Brock Purdy off the waiver wire, you were pretty happy with him as well as all the other offensive players on the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Yeah. Just a, a dynasty question for you, Justin. Uh, what are you doing right now with Trey Lance with how well Brock Pur- if Brock Purdy goes and takes him, let's say he takes him to the Super Bowl, they may not win it, but if he gets them to the Super Bowl, what are you doing with Trey Lance this offseason?
2: I think at this point you got to hold. Um, uh, most people either sold the farm in Dynasty to potentially get first round picks up there to where you could draft Trey Lance. And so you probably gave up a bunch, or your team was so bad that you picked him early and you were hoping he turned you around and now his value is Ford. so i think you've got to hold on right now and just hope that i don't know they send brock purdy back to a backup status and and look at trey lance as the guy that they gave three first round picks to get
0: yeah the the footballers talked about it and said you know this is they compared it to carson wentz and nick Foles and i don't know if it's the best comparison because carson wentz was playing really well before he got hurt and trey lance hasn't done anything yet um and then nick Foles signed a contract with other the team they can keep Brock Purdy, and they can roll. His contract is, he's three million over five years. Like they could roll with a super cheap quarterback, and maybe trade Lance to somebody else. I mean, there's a lot of things they could do. Um, and of course, there are people talking about Brady going over there or Aaron Rodgers going over there, and none of those quarterbacks matter. But it's gonna be very interesting. I've seen some trade Lance trades already, so I know people are getting a little nervous. Uh, Let's talk about Mr. Consistency before we finish out the quarterbacks. And to uh, just define consistency, I mean that's that's a player that's gonna show up every single week. You put him in your lineup, and you don't you you don't have to worry about it every single week. Um, We had Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and the winner, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Um, Mahomes was was a QB one every single week. His worst performances were QB 11 and QB 12. He got QB 13 when he played half the game on week 18. He was top three five times. He was top six 12 times. And he offered a little bit of rushing this year with three rushing touchdowns. And he had, you know, a couple hundred yards on the ground. Some people were concerned with Tyreek Hill leaving with some of these, you know, oddball pieces coming in like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and we'll see what happens with Juju and they're going to get sky more out of what, you know, it worked, it worked. And he didn't really need any of those other guys. It was the same thing it was Kelsey and, and Kelsey and Kelsey every single week. Um, but Mahomes and Reed are just awesome, fun to watch. And, uh, everyone who saw that reindeer formation, um, it just, it looked like the annexation of Puerto Rico. I mean, they're just, they're having, having fun out there. Um, sorry, sorry, so much love from homes, from the Chargers, guys. Um, let's uh let's move on to the running backs. But before we do that, the show is sponsored by Winbet. Uh Winbet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Winbet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays. The NFL playoffs are here. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at Winbet. Ready to play, you sign up today, and you receive a special offer. If you bet $100, you're going to get a $100 free bet. Limited estate availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com, backslash Winbet. That's so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com, backslash W-Y-N-B-E-T. You have offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where play-through Winbet is available. If you are someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. And don't forget about the SGPN NFL Playoff Challenge. SGPN has teamed up with Homage for the NFL Playoff Challenge. Homage makes all those cool throwback NBA Jam shirts and things like that. Uh, the winner will get $300 cash and $100 SGPN gift card and a Homage uh, $1-800 gift card. Homage uh, uh, has a ton of cool retro and throwback officially licensed NFL gear. I, think I saw some tech mobile stuff on there, John. Um, check them out on SportsLinePodcast.com. Batch just Homage. For all the contest details, and enter and download the SGPN app and hit free contest. Let's go to the running backs, and this was this was a good year for running backs, um, but it wasn't as good of a year for running backs drafted early, and so the bust. This I, I know I throw the, the tweets out there, and a lot of people have different definitions of bust. My definition of bust is someone that has been drafted high. You cannot be someone that's drafted in the seventh or eighth round. Um, You have to have played at least half the season. I'm not going to put Javante Williams on this list because he got hurt, didn't have the opportunity to play. And Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor is the winner. And Jonathan Taylor was the number one overall pick in a lot of your leagues. John, why why is he the biggest bust? Yeah, it,
3: it's all about draft capital. Draft capital is so big. When you've got that first-round pick, you want to use it properly. You want to maximize the points out of it. And we're talking about Jonathan Taylor that went first or second in a lot of leagues, and he did so on the back of an a, a RB6 performance in 2020, an RB1 performance in 2021, enter uh this year and he finished as the rb32 he was an rb4 or worse in 36 of his games that's ridiculous now i he did struggle with injury we're aware of that and that o-line couldn't block a spam call much less a stacked box (laughs) so they weren't doing him any favors whatsoever yeah yeah for real so and, and he had the opportunity. That was the biggest thing is the opportunity was there. He uh, he averaged 19.2 rush attempts per game. Pretty darn good. But behind that O-line and in between that and dealing with injury, he just failed to be anywhere close to where you're drafting him. We're talking a two-tier drop from where you drafted him. That makes him a bust.
0: Yeah, I, I got to interview fantasy football writer Hall of Famer Greg Kellogg this summer, and he talked about the curse of 370, and he said, "Don't don't draft Jonathan Taylor. Don't do it." And he just went through all of the reasons why not to going back the last fifteen years of all the court all the running backs that have had three hundred and seventy plus touches. And he was like, i'll I'll take Christian McCaffrey. You know, I'll take a receiver. I'm not touching him. I'm not touching Najee Harris. And he's like, "I'll tell you right now, I haven't even watched football in two years. but this is this is this history is going to tell you the future. And he was right. He was right. It was, it was, it was ugly out there and then he got hurt and now he may have to have surgery on that. Um, Justin B. John Robinson or Jonathan Taylor, who are you taking first in the startup?
2: I haven't read up enough on Jonathan Taylor's injury to know how serious it is. I think I'm still taking Jonathan Taylor.
0: The only reason I would take Bijan is because I know I can trade B. John for Jonathan Taylor plus, um, <laughs> I've just I've done all the polls and I was actually going back and forth with DLF today and they had a poll out there. And yeah, like Jonathan Taylor for Saquon Barkley, it's like 85%. I mean Bijan Robinson for Saquon Barkley, it's like 85% Bijan. So you just get Bijan and trade him for whoever you want plus as far as running backs. He is the number one running back asset. And I do my rankings based based on their trade value. And so for me, he is the RB one in, in Dynasty. He's not above all the receivers or all the superplex quarterbacks, but his value is insane. Speaking of value, um, best value, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders. And this was close. This was close. It actually goes to Josh Jacobs. And so um, one of these got changed. It was supposed to be Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. So Josh Jacobs is the winner. John, why is he the best value?
3: Yeah, again, I mean, draft value, like where you come in. So Jacobs somehow landed on the running back naughty list uh, prior to draft season. Uh, the ridiculous preseason usage just added, you know, fire to that. Uh, drove his ADP down. He was like what a late third, early fourth round pick in most leagues, and 40. he ADP was forty seven. Yeah, so so right there in that range. And he answered by rushing for the most yards in the NFL, the most yards of his career, scoring double digit touchdowns for the second time in his career. Oh, and he did all of that at the highest yards per carry average of his career. The stuff studs are made of, and you love to see that kind of return on investment for, you know, a fourth round pick.
0: Yeah. And an honorable mention to a few different guys, Um, honorable mention to uh, Tyler Algier, 106 uh, draft capital. Kenneth Walker 94, Ramondre Stevenson 76, Tony Pollard 70. Uh, I mean you you can get Tony Pollard or Chase Edmonds. Yeah, that was that's something you might regret. Um yeah. let's go to the next award and this is the waiver wire winner. Remember, not all your leagues are the same. Some leagues are 10 teams, some are 16, some have short benches, long benches. Um and some of these guys were drafted but then they were dropped. And so waiver Wire winner nominations, Zach Moss, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams, Jerick McKinnon, Jerick McKinnon. And this is a combination of Jamal Williams and Jerick McKinnon sharing the award. Brad, let's talk about Jamal Williams and Jerick McKinnon.
1: I mean, I mean, 17 17 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns for a guy that that everyone thought was going to In Detroit. I mean, DeAndre Swift had less than 50% of carries in like, or I'm sorry, greater than 50% of carries in like five games. That's pathetic, right? Jamal Williams came in and dominated at the red zone. The team rallies around the guy. And when he can come in there and score 17 touchdowns, that's, it just makes sense, right? Uh, You, who thought that a waiver wire guy is going to give you more than, we'll say, five to seven touchdowns? And this dude led the league in touchdowns. It's disgusting, right? Same thing when you look at Jarek McKinnon, at least over the last five or six games. This guy's got like nine touchdowns in the last six games. It's just ridiculous that the path that he's on... Or has been on in his career. He ends up in in Kansas City. He doesn't do really anything the first half of the season. He's got a couple kind of blow up games in the middle of the season and people going, you know what, let me let me drop two touchdowns. Boom, another touchdown, two touchdowns, two, like, just another guy who's just throwing the touchdowns off when you need him in the playoff season, in championship week, in that last week, you know, you you need a win, you pick up Jarek McKinnon, you get that win in week 14, it gets you into the playoffs, and then you just ride him to that championship. I watched somebody do it. It was the most irritating thing in the world because his team sucked. And he won because of Jarek McKinnon. So it's crazy to think that somebody like that is out there, right, that can just take your team to the next level in the playoffs. You use them for six weeks and you sell them for anything you can get or – Hell, who knows? He may even be dropped, right, in dynasty leagues moving forward, uh, depending on what the Kansas City Chiefs decide to do with him. So when you look at guys who can get that touchdown production from you, that's really what you're looking for, right, is the consistency in the touchdowns, and that happened for both of these guys throughout the season.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot you can learn from both of these you know, situations. You want running backs on good offenses, um, and so I'm not telling everyone they need to go zero RB. But if you're stacking up running back depth at the at the end, you're looking at guys that are going to be on good offenses. I think not many people predicted the Lions to be a good offense, but you could have at least me a bad uh, defense. And so um, and you could also predict DeAndre Swift would would get injured at some point, which he didn't really get, get hurt, but he was the backup. And at sometimes he was the third string running back on that team. Super odd, super frustrating. Um, we'll see what happens with Swift next year. I think we're all hoping he gets traded or something, but Jamal Williams is a free agent next year. We'll see if they bring him back. He seems like a guy they would bring back. Um, and they got some money to do so, but um Swift will be on the last year of his contract next year, I believe. Um the last, the last award for the running backs is Mr. Consistency. And there's a lot of people that could have been in this, and we we had some really Really consistent running backs in you know for a few of these guys. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey, he switched teams and he dominated his first full game with the Niners. He had uh, literally had a passing, running, and a receiving touchdown. Uh Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and Austin Eckler is the award winner. Uh Justin, let's let's talk about Austin Eckler. Um, I traded him to you. I feel bad about it now. Um, why is Austin Eckler miss consistency?
2: Uh, well, I mean the last two years he's, he's putting up 18 touchdowns and 20 touchdowns or 20 touchdowns and 18 touchdowns this year. So, I mean, he, he's been that guy in the red zone and that was the knock on him for a long time, right? He was always the guy that was going to get good reception, good reception totals. He didn't really run too much between the twenties because Melvin Gordon did that early on in his career and he didn't get the goal line carries, but, Lo and behold, Melvin Gordon leaves. Austin Echo takes that, and he's pound for pound one of the strongest running backs in the league. And so he took care of business. And so um, the consistency is always going to be there in PPR from the receptions, and when he's getting touchdowns like that, he's going to be in the top four running backs year after year.
0: Yeah, um, if he was just a receiver, he would have been our wide receiver 20. He had 107 catches, 722 yards receiving, and five touchdowns receiving. That's just, just his receiving numbers. Um, but overall, he was a top-five player 10 times, top-24 running back. He was 100% of the time he was a top-24 running back. He was top-five 10 times for running backs. He had four-plus receptions in 16 to 17 games and seven-plus receptions in eight games. Um, this guy just absolutely tore it up. He had beginning of the season, he had started off a little bit, quote-unquote, slow, but, I mean, he was locked and loaded, stud. Every single week the rest of the week and I regretted trading him every single one of them. Uh, I think I think when I
1: looked at it, he's the, the only team. running back that did not give you a single, not one week did he give you a single digit fantasy production week. He's yeah. the only running back in it. Like that's that's ridiculous. That is the model of consistency. It's it's nuts.
0: Well, some guy just said, get off my lawn, I play in a standard league, and he did it. <laughs> Um, but that's, fair. And, that's I, fair. and I don't, I'm playing any standard league, so I don't know if that's true, but, yeah. um, I figured maybe in a standard league is the only way it's possible. That is possible. Um, yeah. I but that, that's, that's, possible, that's yeah. a great stat, Brad. Cause I didn't even, I didn't know that. Um, biggest bust for the receivers, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson, Elijah Moore, Gabe Davis. If you listen to fantasy footballers, Alan Robinson won the award last year, and he was uh, he was up for the poopiest pants award again this year. This is our version of the poopiest pants award, and the winner is Alan Robinson. Brad, this this is your uh, this, this is your guy, but I'm gonna let Justin talk about Alan Robinson.
2: Yeah, so I mean, everybody saw the videos right during spring training or for spring training. I got baseball in the mind now. During uh during the preseason, you know, Allen Robinson catching touchdowns from Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford throwing no looks to Allen Robinson. And then we got into the season and lo and behold, that offense didn't change. It was still funneling the ball through Cooper Cup. It didn't look like Allen Robinson really integrated into the offense at all. In the ten games he played, he only averaged three three point three receptions and thirty-three yards per game. It's it's just not something that is sustainable in fantasy. And he still was drafted mostly in the fifth, sixth, seventh round this year. So huge bus. Once again, hate to be a back-to-back winner. Yeah.
0: Brad, anything to add? I'm just going to, I'm just
1: going to drive the bus (laughs) and then
0: get out of the bus and park park myself
1: under the tires and then ask somebody to drive it over me. Because I wrote a bold takes article before the season, right? And everybody knows bold takes are not most likely going to happen. Right. But I saw a world where this dude could be an absolute stud. And I said, Hey, I would recommend at the price that you can get Allen Robinson right now, because at the time it was fairly cheap from a dynasty perspective because of age and the name and the team change and everything. So you need to go get this guy. And I pray that nobody listened to me because (laughs) if they did, they don't listen to me anymore. (laughs) It just, he just completely embarrassed a lot of people who had a little bit of faith in, Hey, look, This guy needs a scenery change. He needs to get out of Chicago, and he did. And lo and behold, he goes to Matthew Stafford and the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams and just lays a shit sandwich. It was (laughs) terrible, Uh, and I'm sorry if anybody listened to me. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, Alan Robinson was drafted 53rd overall as far as the ADP, so um, middle of the fifth round. That's pretty pricey. And you definitely did not get that return after week fourteen. Allen Robinson was wide receiver eighty-five. I don't know wide receiver sixty. After week seventeen, he was wide receiver eighty. Dave, um, Dave,
1: dude, just you're just digging now. Like, let's go, man. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's move on to
0: the next one. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, I'm sure you can find some someone that I missed on Brad, and we can we can go I on that know. soon. Um, best value. This there's a there was so much value looking at the at the receivers. So I'm gonna have to do some honorable mentions here. But T. Higgins, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Lockett, Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk, and the winner is gonna be Christian Kirk. Uh, Justin, let's talk about him.
2: Yeah, so it was everybody's everybody's contract punching bag right at the beginning of the season. Everybody's laughing at the Jacksonville Jaguars for throwing four years, $72 million at a guy who really had done much next to nothing. You know, he finally came in as the wide receiver three kind of last year for, for the Cardinals when they moved into the slot. He was drafted this year wide receiver 39, 100th overall on average on ADP for PPR. That's the eighth or ninth round. He finished at wide receiver fourteen, went over a thousand yards receiving, seventy eight receptions, and seven touchdowns. So he was a guy that was their go to um, in an offense that was ascending. That you know we all weren't sure what would happen, and anybody that jumped on him late reaped the rewards.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of people on here. Um, Zay Jones was drafted at one eighty one. Um, you had. DJ Chark was 165, really came on at the end of the year. Garrett Wilson, 164. The don't draft rookie receivers thing, like we stopped doing that three years ago. So if you're a redrafter and you're listening, don't worry, you're allowed to draft rookie receivers now. It's a new new age NFL. Um, We had John Dotson at 153. Um, We had George Pickens at 123. Tyler Lockett at 112. Finished as the wide receiver 10 after 14 weeks. Didn't play for a week and still finished as wide receiver 13 overall. And with Lockett, I, I just need to, like, I was I was a Lockett guy. Then I stopped being a Lockett guy because I was so sick of the up and down. I'm like, at the end of the year, this guy's a wide receiver one. And he's only a wide receiver one three times every year. And he's a wide receiver six to rest. Well, this year he was absolutely, absolutely different. And so I got to throw him some love. Um, and there was, there was some other good value, um, you know, with the running, with the wide receiver position, Amari Cooper at 84, Amon Ross St. Brown at 72, um, just tremendous value that these guys were guys that you got in the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th round, and you can start them every week. Um, waiver wire winner. Again, every league is different, but these guys could have been drafted and dropped or just not drafted at all. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Zay Jones, Isaiah Hodgins, love that. Donovan Peoples Jones, George Pickens, DPJ is the winner. Justin, let's talk about him.
2: Yeah, so he finished the year at wide receiver 36. Um, I mean, for a guy that no one really was talking about in the beginning of the year, you maybe thought he would do something when Deshaun Watson came in week 13. You weren't really relying on anything with Jacoby Brissett from week six to week 15 on a nine week stretch. Now there was a bye week in there. He averaged wide receiver 33. So he was a wide receiver three that you got for free. I think that that screams waiver wire, darling. Um, And for anybody who jumped on it, you got somebody consistent.
0: Yeah. Brad, anything to add?
1: No, I love it. I'm a a Browns fan. For those of you who may not know, if you listen to the show, I'm sure you already do because there's always a homework pick in there. And DPJ is my boy. Uh, he seems like he's that red zone guy for Deshaun Watson. When they're inside the 10, they like those those plays to DPJ. And he scored a, a decent number of touchdowns for them. So I, I look for him to to do more of the same next year. fingers crossed anyway as a Browns fan. So
0: So uh John, some of these, you know, some of these receivers. Um I know you nominated a, a couple different guys. Two of the guys you nominated won awards. Um, anyone you want to talk to out of that bunch, out of those four?
3: Uh, no, I mean, I, I did, I, I was definitely in on Donovan Peoples Jones. I love that. Uh, you know, not a world beater, but when you can get a guy for free and he's going to give you wide receiver three or better production in 53% of his games, sign me up. I love it.
0: And you had uh CD lamb on there for Mr. Consistency. Um, you know, CD lamb, a lot of people had him on their breakout lists, including myself. um, I had Michael F. Florio on the show, and I told me, I said, uh, "C.D. Lamb is going to be a top five receiver this year." Now, I looked at my rankings; I had, I had him at wide receiver six, uh, so I had had to adjust my rankings real quick. Um, but CeeDee Lamb was pretty consistent. Anything on him?
3: Yeah, I I was big uh, on him heading into the season, and I've ended up on a a few different podcasts as a guest during the course of the season. It feels like every time I get on one, I'm obligated to talk about C.D. Lamb, and I'm completely okay with that. Uh, He finishes a wide receiver two or better in 64% of his games. You got to love that consistency when you know you've got that chance uh, for that. He went from the wide receiver 23 in 2020, wide receiver 20 in 2021, he finished this year as the wide receiver six. I love it. I love it. I think he's got a bright future. And, um, yeah, he was one of the more consistent people that you could you could plug in. And you still got him a little cheaper than where he finished. So I like that consistency from that high of a pick.
0: And you like T. Higgins as a value. Anything on T. Higgins before he moved to the tight ends? Yeah,
3: Higgins was great. I, I, I like Higgins a lot, and I was higher than the market on him. And the reason I was higher than the market on him is not just because he's a baller, which he is. It's because he's got an aggressive thrower of the football at the helm. Now, when you have that, and opportunity created by defenses trying to take away Jamar Chase, he's he's going to be the next look, and he's going to be open, or he's going to get a rifle shot in between two guys, which we saw quite a bit this season. So he averaged 15.8 per game uh, points per game this season, finishes a wide receiver two or better in 56% of his games. I love that. He finishes the wide receiver 13 on a points per game average. So the consistency, the value, it was all there, and all teams had to do was take a second look at Jamar Chase and T. Higgins is, is getting the rifle
0: shot. Yeah, and, and a lot of expert lists. He is a top 10 or top 12 dynasty asset at the receiver position. Um, but he's someone that I feel like you can always get cheaper in your startups and cheaper in trades because people see him as the two. And, you know, there's, there's always, always an offense out there that has two top 10 options. And, um, you know, we've seen it before with, you know, the Vikings or we've seen it before with some of the other teams. And, and right now it, it is the Bengals and um, I'm excited to watch them play this weekend Let's move on to the tight end position. Are we skipping JJ? Oh, we're skipping JJ. We are skipping JJ. Um, I, I can be quick. I went straight to it. Mr. Consistency, and he's the uh, – I got him as the, the photo on our YouTube um, thumbnail is JJ and a crown and a belt um, <laughs> holding a trophy. Uh, Mr. Consistency, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs. The winner, Justin Jefferson, Uh, round of applause because this guy had an absolute, absolute awesome season. It sucked in the championship. Ralph made to put that in his vote. Um, But let's talk about Justin Jefferson. Justin.
2: Yeah, so obviously monster. We don't have to spend too much time on Justin Jefferson. Everybody knows he's an absolute stud. Uh, The stats that I wanted to point out that are just amazing, he's a guy that averaged 11 targets a game this year. That is just you know, write it down. You know, stamp it. He's your—he's going to be your number one guy every year. And then forty-eight receptions over twenty-plus yards—that—that's just big play written all over it. Six out of the last nine weeks of the season, he did have a down uh, championship game if you were a Week Seventeen league. Um, but he went six of those nine weeks. He was in the top four finishing wide receivers. That's what ballers do, and that's what JJ is.
0: Yeah, no, I I love it, and uh, you know he was, you know he was someone that if you made the decision to draft Justin Jefferson over Jonathan Taylor, that probably won you your your league or at least got you um, into the playoffs because that decision was it uh, started your draft off right. Let's go to the tight ends, and we're going with the bus, and we had Mark Andrews. Let a lot of people down. He's got a pretty strong resume for this award. Kyle Pitts voted by me, by Brad, by Ralph. And Darren Waller also made the list. Kyle Pitts is the winner. My cousin Jason will be disappointed. He was very annoyed by my thread on how many people were talking crap about Kyle Pitts. Um, But he won the award. And it's deserving. Um, We talked about not, you know, hating on players for injury reasons, Um, but Kyle Pitts played in 11 games, and when you play in 11 games, we're expecting you to have at least at at least five or six good games, right? That's half, and it just didn't happen. Five point nine points. Five point nine points. 18.7 points. Okay, we finally got something. 4.5 points, 13.9 points, 6.9 points. At this point, you're thinking, I might sit this guy. Well, hope you didn't because he got 24 points. Now you're feeling really good. And then 6.7, 6.8, finished it with 10.3. And this is in PPR. This is a guy that the Dynasty community, let's be honest, has put way too high of expectations. Um, I said earlier... It's okay to draft rookie receivers. It's not okay to draft rookie tight ends. It's not okay. Don't let friends do that. Um, It's just not, they're not there yet. You know, we talked about, you know, the tight end position is one of the most difficult positions to transfer to. They have to go to the offensive line meetings. They got to go to the receiver meetings. A lot of these tight ends, they had never even been in a three-point stance in college unless they played at Iowa. Um, It's just, it's a very difficult position to transfer, and we saw some decent production this year, right? Dalchick, you had Chig, you had Bellinger, but we didn't really, we haven't really seen even even guys like Hawkinson and Noah Fant and OJ Howard that were drafted super early. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram is the exception to the rule, but I mean, Evan Ingram fell into 116 targets. The Giants, Brandon Marshall was on the Giants, by the yeah, If you remember that. Brandon Marshall, Odo Beckham, Sterling Shepard, all were out for the season, all injured against these guys' Chargers week three. And I forget the name of the guy now, but uh, Bowling Green receiver was our, our one the rest of the year, and then Evan Ingram. Um, It just doesn't happen for rookie rookie tight ends. And so Kyle Pitts this year, um, I do blame a lot of it on Mariota and Arthur Smith but we have to see better production out of him and hopefully the uh, draft capital next year is you know is decent but people took him as the third or fourth tight end and it was a major letdown best value this was a unanimous unanimous selection for Evan Ingram as we just talk about it Evan Ingram was an absolute stud to finish the season um, he was pretty good throughout the season, and he may have been dropped in a few leagues and picked back up. Um, you know, he was someone that a lot of people saw the Doug Peterson connection and thought Evan Ingram would be it would be a good selection this year. It didn't start out that way, but it sure finished. Um, anybody want to throw in anything on Evan Ingram?
2: So... Uh- Shameless plug for myself here. I thought Evan Ingram was a solid pick at tight end this year only because I thought that Doug Peterson's offense has always been pretty pretty good at highlighting the tight end from a fantasy perspective. Um, so I was glad to see that come to fruition. Not that I thought he was going to do as well as he did because it's Evan Ingram. You thought he'd get a case of the drop sees or something like that. But um, I think any tight end in a, in a Doug Peterson offense, everyone in fantasy should take notice of and, and stash them.
0: Yeah, he's a free agent next year. We'll see if they tag him or bring him back. But um it'll be interesting to see how he does with the addition of Calvin Ridley in that offense and see what they do with Zay Jones. I think Zay Jones is still under contract there. Um, but I double check that. But I know Evan Ingram has signed a one-year deal. Yeah,
1: as good as he played, because we Our are a dynasty pod. As good as he played. I still think you have to look, try to move him as quickly as possible right now before everybody starts to think about the Calvin Ridley effect. And okay, well, what do they do with Zay Jones? What if they draft a, a young tight end? Like all these variables are going to start to come to to play later on in the offseason. If you can move Evan Ingram for really probably anything at a 29 year old tight end is probably you know who has no contract right now. It might be the time to to do that.
0: Ingram is uh, he'll be there next year. I mean, he'll be a free agent next year, but Zay Jones will not. He's on a three-year contract, essentially a two year with a team option. Um, so they can get out of it after he's 24, but the way he's playing will, if he continues that he'll definitely be back on the team 10 but he'll at least be there next year. Um, let's move on to the waiver wire winner. Again, another unanimous selection. Juwan Johnson from the saints. I thought about putting Taysom Hill on here, um, but we all we all went with Juwan Johnson. And uh, I think he was a pleasant surprise. Uh, we were not expecting it. We saw a little bit of, you know, some spark from him last year. But he really came on, and he had some big performances. I saw he had, you know, as many top five performances as... You know, everyone except for uh, Kelsey, I think he was number two in top five performances. Kelsey's just in a whole nother world. Um, anybody, anything on Jawan Johnson and his outlook in 2023?
3: I mean, he's
0: skinny Eric
3: Ebron. Um, you know, he, Eric Ebron had that one big year and then, you know, was just kind of serviceable. Uh, I I don't see him duplicating that kind of production. I don't see him going on a multi-game stretch of two touchdowns a game again. Uh, if, if, it's hard to cash out on someone that never really caught fire cause he was still available on waiver wires in so many redraft leagues this year. Um, even after the performances he had. So I, I'm not getting my hopes up. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. We don't know what the wide receiver situation is going to be. There's not enough there for me to want to be too heavily invested in one of these high touchdown only guys. So yeah, he, he was uh, fun to watch, but don't bank on anything for
0: next season. For it, what do you think, Brad? Third, uh, with someone, if you have Juwan Johnson on your team, you're trying to get a third form. Is that all right? If I can get
1: any, if it's a three round rookie, I- I'm going to take anything third round and above. Uh, if I've got a fourth, you know, if you have a fourth round, if somebody's offering a fourth, I'm going to keep him at that cost just because you just don't know. And fourth round rookie draft picks aren't worth anything, right? But if I can get a third, you know, there's. Isaiah Pacheco was drafted in the third round, right? So there there are some third round picks that could still hit from a dynasty perspective. So I'll take a third for him. But if it's fourth, I'm passing. I'll I'll hold him for that.
0: Justin, anything? All right. The next award is Mr. Consistency. And we finally got on the same page here with tight ends. Uh, (laughs) We we never, we agreed. We did not agree on much until the tight ends. Um, but Mr. Consistency was Travis Kelsey. And so Travis Kelsey, I, I looked it up earlier. he is he's a cheat code. And so Travis Kelsey, if he were a wide receiver, would have, would have been the wide receiver for this season. If he were a running back, then he would be running back four. It was Eckler McCaffrey. Jacobs, Kelsey, and then Derrick Henry, and he had twenty five more, or you have have seventeen more points than Henry. Wide receivers: Jefferson, Hill, Adams, Kelsey, and then Diggs. He had about nine more points than Diggs. I mean, this this guy was just unbelievable all year, Mister Consistency, Mister Reliable, but he also had. The absolute ceiling, um, that you just if, if I have Travis Kelsey and Brad is is rolling out, you know, pretty much anybody else, I won that position that week. And, um, it was just a total X factor in your leagues, especially your tight end premium leagues. He kind
1: of single handily, what was it? It was like week five or six. He had a three touchdown game put up like 40 something fantasy like that alone would win you a week. Like I don't need from the tight end up. position. like just <laughs> Get out of here with that, you know?
0: Yeah. And so Travis Kelsey, because of his age is an interesting player in dynasty. And uh, I was writing a tight end sell article and I, I went in the article. Just, I said, put Kelsey on the cover. And uh, I was like, I'm, I can't sell Kelsey. You just can't. If you have Kelsey, you're most likely a contender and you cannot trade Kelsey right now. Cause you're not going to get the value that you deserve. And he's more, he's worth more on your team. Yeah. Kelsey's probably going to fall off in the next couple of years. He's 35 years old. I mean, he's pretty, he's the same age as Gronk, but he's, he's at the top of his game and he is so much better. Than the rest of the position. And this isn't like running back or receiver where there's a whole bunch of good ones. There's there's not much out there and supply and demand. Kelsey does not move off my roster unless I get I get a godfather type of an offer. Agree or disagree? Complete, Let's go to the rookies. Yeah.
3: What was that? Complete agreement. Can't can't argue. Yep.
0: Let's go to the rookies and get out of here. Um, biggest bust again, back to the disagreements, Malik Willis, James Cook, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Isaiah Spiller. We didn't agree on a single one. So I gave the award to sky Moore. since we're not agreeing on this. We're just going to go through the whole list of bad. And so in your rookie draft, sky Moore was a mid to late first round pick in some drafts. And he was a player that people were excited about, even in redrafts. And, because of the way the scoring is, he gave you some negative weeks. Like, Sky Moore gave you some weeks that were negative. He had zero targets, zero catches, a fumbled punt return. And so, like, I hope you didn't start him. Even in your DFS league, he was just someone you could not count on. Um, Hopefully, better things ahead for Sky Moore. Isaiah Spiller was somebody I was excited about, taking him at at the beginning of the second round. Didn't do squat. Um, Traylon Burks, he had a couple nice weeks. He got hurt. Then he came back. He had a couple touchdown performances, um, but Ralph th- still put him up there. Drake London finished the finished strong. He was someone I was thinking you could buy low on, but he finished it pretty strong with, with Desmond Ritter. Brad, you put him up here. Um, what, are your- what are your thoughts on uh, Drake London moving forward?
1: Yeah, they need a quarterback. I, I was really hoping I- – This I'm torn because I'm going to say what I want to say, but I also don't wish anybody to lose their job. I was really hoping Arthur Smith was going to be, they were going to move on from him because that the way that offense runs and the way they try to call plays, it is not conducive to having Kyle Pitts and Drake London there. It just doesn't work. He just had nine games that uh, where he was less than 10 fantasy points which is just bad news bears. They need an offense that's going to feed him the rock. And we saw a little bit more of that with Desmond Ritter later in the season. So maybe there's a little bit of a changing of the guard when they realize, oh my God, we're like, we're out. Let's see what Desmond Ritter can do. Let's throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, But I, I think if they can bring in a veteran quarterback, then maybe they're going to lean on that passing a little bit more. If they go rookie quarterback, they're going to lean on that run game more. So I, I think it kind of depends on where they go with the quarterback position to see where I think Drake London's going to fall out in rankings. for next Yeah, season.
0: they they finished it with uh, – he had 12 targets in week 13, 11 targets, 9 targets, 8 targets, 8 targets. Um, yeah. You know, He was a wide receiver 3 or better the last five weeks, and he finished as a wide receiver 10. Um, so good finish to the season, and uh, you know he had, he had uh, six catches for 120 yards and uh, no touchdown, um, but he had four touchdowns on the season, which was pretty good. Um, we also had James Cook and Malik Willis, and uh, the fact that Josh Dobbs played the last couple weeks um, does not bode well for Malik Willis. Anything to add on that, John?
3: Uh, he busted like a remedial math student at a blackjack table. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he looked at times, and I liked Malik Willis uh, coming out of college. I liked his pro day. I liked a lot of the stuff that we saw from him. Um, but there were times where he looked confused and incompetent, and that's not that's not good. And to bring Josh Dobbs in, and and you know, three four days later, say, eh, give it a shot, is 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 not good. I know he was more developmental from the get go, but I that might have been set back even a little bit. Like, I'd love to see him progress, but it was pretty bad to watch.
1: Does the firing of Tom Downey change anything for you around that? Right? So, uh, I mean, I, I know they drafted Malik Willis. They had Tom Downey as the offensive coordinator all season. Uh, they did move on from him. If they bring in an offensive coordinator and, and they, you know, don't draft a quarterback, does that kind of change the perspective on Malik Willis a little bit?
3: a little bit but i would still want to see someone that wants to gear an offense around where his strengths are because he's not ryan Tannehill, and yep. so you have to implement a different offensive scheme that that suits his skill set more so than what Tannehill is Tannehill with his dink and dunk and you know consistent short throws and stuff like that that's not malik willis he wants to go
0: big or he wants to take off running you've got a scheme for that yeah i'm i'm out yeah, i would I don't have him on any of my teams, but I'd trade him if I could, and pretty much give him away for whatever. Um, best value: Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier, Isaiah Pacheco, Tyler Algier, Ken Walker. We're thinking more of a redraft perspective with this. Obviously, in your redrafts, Ken Walker was drafted a lot higher. Um, best value award goes to Tyler Algier. We talked about it earlier. Crazy low um, draft capital, um, really in all your your leagues, um, super flex rookie one quarterback rookie redraft rookie and redraft just in general um Tyler Algier was was drafted super low um and he was someone that you could really really count on I remember getting questions at the end of the year like Tyler Algier Saquon Barkley Tyler Algier oh, i Kamara, and you should have said Tyler Algier uh you should have said Tyler Algier. A- a- every time um because he was he was a stud and he finished the season strong and he won some people some leagues and he wins the award tonight. Um, my only concern with him is the draft capital. We've seen it with James Robinson. We've seen it with some other players where these guys with late draft capital come in. They look really, really good. They do really well. And then somebody comes in a year or two later and, and takes their job and poof, they're, they're gone. Um, the waiver wire winner, um, Tyler Algier, Ken Walker, Pacheco, Ken Walker, Ken Walker. So right back at it with the same guys. Ken Walker is the winner. Um, Ken Walker in my league, my couple redraft leagues, he was dropped when Rashad Penny was killing it and picked back up. In some leagues, he wasn't. He obviously was drafted in a lot of leagues, but in, in a couple of leagues of mine, he was. And some people out there, um, he wasn't. Um, But I know when he hit the waiver wire in mine, I had to scoop him back up and I had to pay up all my draft capital, uh, all my, all my fab because um, he was on the waiver wire when Rashad Penny broke his leg. Um, Thoughts on Ken Walker next year. Uh, I have him as a top five dynasty running back. Um, Anybody disagree with that or have him a little higher? And the Mr. Consistency award Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Chris Olave, Chris Olave. I was the only Garrett Wilson vote on this ship. Um, Chris Olave is the, the winner. Anyone want to talk about Chris Olave?
1: 119 times.
2: Yeah, I think he was the, I think he was the obvious rookie winner of a veteran player going down. Um, He wasn't doing, he wasn't as consistent, obviously, the first three weeks with Michael Thomas, but he just became a target hog and showed that he can be the wide receiver one in offense. So um, I think it was impressive what he did, especially when Andy Dalton, who is serviceable, um, but I don't think anybody would think that Saints offense was high flying and Chris Olave was fairly consistent all the way, all the way through the season.
0: Yeah, Chris Olave put a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people were down on him as the sixth or seventh uh, running back in the the class, in the pre-draft process. His size, he can't break a tackle. There's no yards after the catch. And then he got drafted super high in the first round. And he drafted in a pretty good location, even though the bad quarterback play. And, uh, yeah, I have him as top 10 dynasty wide receiver for me. Uh, I have him right behind Wilson. I'm a big Chris Olave fan and uh, loved what I saw year one. All right, well, that's it. The award show's over. We're just over an hour. Appreciate everybody hanging out. Appreciate all you guys. Make sure you give them a follow. Subscribe, give us a like, and drop your questions. We'll be here all season with all your Dynasty content. We're going to be doing some rookie evals and some mock drafts coming up. As always, good luck this season.
1: Cheers.